I'm Damian Willis, and this is The Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News, a podcast in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. This week, we're talking to Las Cruces Mayor Ken Miyagashima, who recently delivered his 16th and final State of the City Address. Miyagashima was first elected mayor of Las Cruces in 2007 and is currently in his fourth four-year term. In November, he announced he would not seek a fifth term. While this is certainly not an exit interview, as he will still lead the city for months to come, we thought we should touch base on what he feels he has accomplished as reflected in this year's State of the City Address. There have been ups and downs for sure, moments of turmoil, but the mayor largely focused on how his vision for Las Cruces has been carried out so far during his 16 years in the office. Before running for mayor, Miyagashima served as Doniana County Commissioner. He also served as a city councilor And in August 2013, Miyagashima unsuccessfully applied to become the Doniana County Manager. This week, I'm grateful to have the mayor joining us. Mayor Miyagashima, thanks for taking time to join us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for uh, inviting me or letting me say a few words. Yeah, and while I said this is not an exit interview, uh, I would like to start by taking a top-level view of your 16 years in office, much of which was the thrust of this year's State of the City Address. So really what it was, uh, Damien, was I just wanted to kind of lend a recap. And, you know, what's interesting is I never delved this far so that Ifo, our city manager, could understand where we came from. And he was surprised. And I even joked, I said, I bet you didn't know that, Ifo, you know, and, um, you know, and, and so I wanted to kind of put it in a, you know, encapsulate uh, as much as I could the last almost 16 years, you know, how it started, how it was contentious, how people thought I was anti-growth to, you know, these policies we put in that really beautified our, our community, our city, connectable streets, walking paths, multi-use paths, um, working with our schools as far as future developments and things of this nature, requiring uh, developers to now beautify and, and put in the medians instead of just leaving them dirt. That's why you still see some dirt medians because the previous administrations, that was how business was done. So it was just a whole different paradigm shift and you know i think it's been working pretty good i like it it should be noted and it certainly was noted in our story that the population has grown uh in las cruces by almost thirty-six thousand people during your four terms in office so growth is happening yeah, and it's it's good growth, and it's um, you know we're we're not seeing any slowdown at all. Larry Nichols, who's uh, in charge of community development, tells me how they're just still staying very busy. There's a lot of permits being pulled, and the value I think last year was over three hundred three hundred million dollars in value, three hundred thirty five million I think is what he told. Me. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of you know property. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of growth. How much did you think about, you know, the past 16 years or uh, you could say the past 20 years or, you know, your time in public office when you were crafting this year's speech? Well, just so to be clear, so it's been 30 years I've been in office, thank goodness, and take a moment to thank all the residents of Las Cruces. You know, I was a county commissioner for eight years. I was a um, city councilor for six, so that's 14, and then mayor for, you know, closing in on 16 years, so that'll be 30. Right. So, you know, it's, it's you know, I've seen it grow, and I've seen some of the things that I've had a chance to learn about. And I, and I have to give a lot of credit to former Mayor Pro Tem, uh, Sharon Thomas, because, you know, she started bringing me this information on, on smart growth and, and um, connected built roads, livable, you know, livable cities. I mean, just everything. She's just, you know, she's a former, she's a PhD, uh, technically Dr. Sharon Thomas, but, you know, she's very modest. And, you know, she retired from Michigan State University where I asked her, did you still watch the Magic Johnson play? She says, yeah, I've seen him play a few times. So um, she's just a a great lady. And I'm forever indebted to her for her teaching me a lot of this new way of dealing with growth. And uh, you said in your speech that this was not. It was almost laughed at. It was almost uh, shunned when you started in office and since has led to kind of the development that we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, especially like when it came to solar. I mean, I had some pretty hardcore business people who may be of a different political persuasion than me laugh about that. And then now you hear them on the radio talking about the blessings of solar and how much money they save. Well, yeah, you know, not only do you save money, it's good for the environment. And when you can combine, you know, when you, you know, I I think I'm a businessman. I think like a businessman, I know the bottom line is profit, but when you can still achieve that and then some and help the, the environment, I mean, there's no downside to that. And so now. Yeah, it's it's nice to have a electric bill that pays you back. Yeah, it just makes sense. I, I, I think I've told a few people, I don't know if I've said it publicly, but I, you know, how I came about this is one day I was building a, a fourplex years ago and I didn't want to, I went down, you know, with the city and I thought, oh my goodness, these gas meters are expensive. I don't think I'll do that. I think I'll just have one, you know, I'll just have one huge electric bill and then I'll div- divide it out. And so, but then I got to thinking, okay, I want to make it really energy efficient. So there goes that cellulose insulation, energy star appliances, double pane windows, you know, for, uh, to keep, keep the heat in, uh, and, you know, like I said, it, it, and, and it came right down to saving money and I saved a lot and it was happened. And ironically, it was environmentally friendly and, uh, supported. And I thought, well, that's good. You know, that's, um, I always have this little saying, I still, every time I think about the, 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 the two birds with one stone, I keep hearing right. Councilor Gil Sorg's, uh, message. Oh, don't, don't say that. Don't, you know, don't, don't even think about hitting a bird with a stone. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 um, but you know, it's, it's, 
it, it's good. It's good. And especially if you can get energy for free from the sun. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine if we could really get community solar going? It's like last year we were able to save our city workforce an average of $500 a month net, maybe four to 500 a month net uh, in, in overall savings through their health insurance by teaming up with the state. Right. I mean, that's, that's pure. That's net five hundred. Can you made and, and that made that made a huge difference yeah, to them, right? That's money in their pockets that they're yeah, going right. to be spending around the city, right? And if we can do the same for energy resources for for residents, it may not be quite that much, but if it's a hundred to two hundred dollars a month, once we get community solar going, uh, you know that's that's. Yeah, if you walked over a hundred dollar bill, you'd probably pick it up. I'd pick it up. <laughs> I think the biggest bill I've ever found lying on the ground was like twenty bucks, and wow. I Pretty guarantee good. you, I picked it up. You're darn right. Yeah, we created a word cloud of the most frequently used words in this year's address. You might have seen it. Some of them were development community, neighborhoods, city, residents, growth, and I think those were the big ones. We also saw housing commitment and resources. Would that be unique to this year or would previous years have looked different? I think previous years would have looked different except for the year that it took place in. Now, there was one year where we did three major projects City Hall, the Aquatic Center, Convention Center. And if he's listening, I want to do a big shout out to Brian Denmark. He was the assistant city manager, but he was in charge of those three projects. And he got them all done on budget, on time. That's that's pretty incredible. So you think that those themes kind of represent where we are in Las Cruces in 2023? Oh, absolutely. That and then, of course, it was a recap. You know, so this was a different state of the city address than normal. Not only was it a recap of of my 16 years, it was my final one. And so I try to put as many accolades to my colleagues or people that I work with as much as I could. But, you know, ultimately, I mean, I could have gone on and on. There could have been pages of people that I needed to thank. Right. But um, but it just wouldn't just wouldn't you know, sit well. I mean, it just, you know what I mean? It just, you know, it, was, it was already over 30 minutes. So uh, why make it 45 or 50 minutes? Yeah. Try not to go over 20 minutes. Cause that's usually the, the amount of time that people kind of uh, pay attention. Yeah. Right. You said in your state of the city address, as we also see in state of the union addresses that the state of the city is strong and that's kind of a thing to say. Where does that strength come from? Money. The city, I don't like to always brag too much on how, you know, how the city is because there's, I'm sure there's lawyers listening to us and I don't like them to, <laughs> you know, but, but really, I mean, like, for example, very few cities can deal with the emergencies that we've had to deal with and it not affect their day-to-day operations. And we have that. We have that in our Telshore fund. So that Telshore fund really is totally unencumbered. I can't tell you how surprised when analysts hear this, whether it's Moody's or Fitch, you know, they go, you guys have how much? And it's not encumbered at all. You know, technically we could spend it 
on anything we wanted, but we made a commitment to the public that it was going to be more health related. So, of course, the pandemic was health related. Dealing with the, the migrants. The you know, migrants. Yeah, that that was one of the first things yeah. to come to my mind. Yeah. And then, you know, so we could use it. And then when we got reimbursed by the federal government, it went right back into the into the fund. You know, and so it's it it's helped a great deal. This is the money that we give to um, what they refer to as NGOs or non-governmental organizations to to work with our nonprofits to to make sure that our residents have the various necessities that they need. It's really been good. And, you know, it started at 20 million and we've been able through careful investments and, and such to really take it to a whole different level. And um, that was my thinking when we got that land from across the street from Mountain View Hospital. You know, we got that from the city of Albuquerque. Yeah, we we haven't developed that yet. And it really included. I don't know if you even want to talk about that, but to me, that was I do think I do think it's kind of funny that the city of Albuquerque owned land in Las Cruces. That's kind of a funny thing. Yeah, the way I understand it is it was there was a pretty wealthy citizen there in Albuquerque who, when they passed on, they bequeathed various land and they had holdings around the state. Ah, right. So it's not like they bought it. And so, you know, and then, of course, that was used for our landfill. And I was trying to do some trading with Mayor uh, Richard Berry for some for that land that land that we're going to be using for a parking lot there at Veterans Park. And the developer who owns it, he wanted some land where our animal shelter is. So I got with Mayor Barry to see if we could kind of swap this. And uh, because there was a reversionary clause that we couldn't sell that land where we had our animal shelter. And so they were able to work out that, that provision and then at the 11th hour, they said, hey, you're going to have to buy that land, that contaminated contaminated land, I think they said, oh, over there off of, well, because it was a landfill, but it's not right. contaminated. It was right. all it was all household trash. And um, but they, you know, but let me tell you where this played into it. And I said, I, I still remember when the staff told me, they said, yeah, well, they're, they're wanting to do it. But the mayor threw this in, Mayor Barry threw this in that you need that you guys that the city needs to buy that land. And I said, are you serious? How much did they, did they say they wanted for it? Well, some said it was worth zero. Some said it was worth half a million dollars. And I and I remember texting um, the CEO of the hospital then, Denton Park. I yeah. said, hey, Denton, how much did uh, did you guys buy that land for for your hospital and back when you guys bought it in 19, whatever, 99 or whatever? Across the street. Across the street, right? Yeah. And he goes, I think he, he texted me back $10 a square foot. And he goes, why? And I said, I can't tell you, but thank you. <laughs> All right. So then I calculate 110 acres times 43,560, because that's how many square feet are in, is in an acre, times $10. Came out to like $50 million, right? And Albuquerque was only wanting half a mil for it. And then I figured, okay, it's got to cost about $5 million to clean it up because they need to go in there and clean up, take out all that trash and haul it to our landfill site there in the Coralitos. So you figure $45 million is what it's worth. And if we're going to pay $500,000 for it, I remember telling back then interim manager Studer, I said, Bill, make sure that, can you drive this check? And they, there was two staff people that went to Albuquerque and they hand delivered it to Albuquerque. Because I didn't want them changing their mind. See, they they 
they failed to you, see where you, that land you was. Put them, put them in the car and uh, push yeah. them, push them yeah. out of City Hall and said, yeah, they, "Go for exactly. it." Yeah, they. I think they just thought it was way out. I don't know where they, but they, nobody bothered to look to see where it was at. They didn't realize it was sitting in the middle of some of the most expensive commercial real estate in the city. You know, and and so I was just like, I, I in fact, it was like I kept waiting. And I said, "Hey, have you guys gotten there yet? Have they have they dropped off the check? Have they signed? You know, have they accepted it? Is it good to go? You know, it was that. You know, I mean, come on, this was a huge win for the city. Uh, you're adding another forty, forty five million in land to the city's balance sheet, and uh, right. for for half a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, and so then they started doing their 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 PR about how they got the better end of the deal selling the city some worthless land. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, good, you know, whatever, but you watch and, you know, in a few years when that gets developed um, and there's a lot of neat things for that area, by the way. And I had always suggested, and I hope the council, you know, stays this course not to sell that, that land that, that abuts next to Loman, but to keep it, as a revenue source to lease the land, you know, because the university, New Mexico State leases a lot of land to businesses, right? right. You know, they sure. have their, like, for example, the, the, the center there where Toucan Market is. and Yeah, the, and uh, uh, the Pan Am Plaza right. there. Right. That's so, so that's on leased land. So all that land is owned by the university but the building's owned by somebody else. You know, they go into these 99 year leases. I think the, the, the convention center may also be on lease land. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it is, it's owned by the university and we lease it, you know, for little or nothing. And, you know, we both get to use the convention center, but that's a little bit different. You know, you got the city and the university that, you know, we're not planning to go away and, and, but you've got businesses that have built on 99-year leases, right? And so, but it's a revenue source for the university, and that's what I wanted for the city. And, uh, you know, I won't be on, in office when that happens, but I hope they remember. I hope. Well, we'll see. You said when I first came into office, the overriding concern was about land development at the margins of our city development that many residents, including me, uh, serving at the time as a city councilor, thought was taking place carelessly and without direction and with little regard for its impact on our community as a whole. Do you feel like that has changed? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, you don't. So let me let me kind of set the table back then you had a developer not only was developing in the city but it was also in the county and none of them to my knowledge were 100 percent complete there you can go back to your archives and find interviews with people saying you know what i i closed on my house but i don't have any running water or there's sewer you know it's like what in the world but that, that wasn't in the city that was in the county but this was the same person. And so these, they, they were all over. There were so many open de- uh, developments and um, it just wasn't right. There was, there was land that was being donated for the schools that was in the flood zone. I mean, they were just building houses. They, it didn't matter. They were just putting up houses as fast as they could. You know, yeah, they had streets, but that was it. But there was no, 
walking paths, even though multi-use paths, like what you see on Travis, what you see on Roadrunner Parkway, which are, you know, that, that the voters have graciously approved so that we can have a, basically a, a, an area around the whole city. Recent you know, geo bonds. Yeah. Right. And then now we coordinate with the schools, you know, we know where, where they are planning to put future schools at. So when we're dealing with developers, you know, it's, it's just, a whole, it's totally different now, you know, back then they didn't require developers to, to put the, put the medians and, and beautify the medians. They just, nothing. It was, that's why they were dirt. That's why we're having to play catch up all this. I think it's, 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 it's been really good. And I, I think that we, yeah, we're, we're a destination. I can't tell you how many people, you know, really love Las Cruces and they, they, you look at the, look at the different license plates that are here in town. Now they're all over. They're different. I mean, people are moving here from other places. Granted when, when space for America that they had a lot to do with it and, you know, retirees, they tell their friends about it. I mean, even from the weather standpoint, my goodness, it seems like anytime you turn around, there's inclement weather somewhere in the United States. And we're so fortunate here where, um, you know, no tornadoes, no hurricanes. Yeah. And that also seems to lead to kind of um, the city's homeless problem. Just because the weather is so temperate, it doesn't change all that much. It's never terribly cold. Sometimes, sometimes it's terribly hot, but that seems to, to also attract, you know, people who are experienced experiencing homeless problems. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's something there that it's not going to go away. As you can tell, as I, as I mentioned in my speech, it's, it's increasing and it's not, and you know, I, I belong to the board of advisors for the U S conference of mayors. And so these are mayors from all over the, the country and what we're experiencing, you know, so are they, and to some of them it's in greater degrees and you know, a lot more, you know, issues. I mean, it's wow. Some of those cities, if you were to visit, it's, uh, where was it that I went to last? And I remember they took us a different way inside to the building. And then after the event was was over, we, we left. I remember my wife, Rosie, and I, and I thought, okay, well, let's just go. We'll just grab a Uber and take off. So we go off through the front. And there had to have been 20, no, maybe more, 40 different like setups of homeless people. And I'm thinking, I told her, I said, you know what? That's why they took, they took us through the back. We went into, you know, we went in like a delivery area, you know, buses of, of mayors. <laughs> they brought you stuff. in through the, through the yeah. kitchen. Yeah, it was something, well, sort of, you know, but, but through the delivery area, I forgot, forgot what city that was, but um, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's tough. Mayor, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts about the city's, tendency toward expanding and i'm thinking largely of the east mesa during your term versus infill and i'll give you quite a lot of credit for tackling the downtown problems because uh that used to be an unmitigated disaster um but 
blighted corridors are still a problem and El Paseo and Solano and Picacho seem to have gotten progressively worse. Can you speak to the causes driving that? Well, I think I still remember when I started in office in the early 90s, El Paseo was the road. I mean, everyone that was, I still remember Glenn Cutter Jewelers, you know, they were there on Foster and El Paseo. They had a real nice place. Um, you had the restaurants there, Tatsu. Remember Tatsu? You know, he had, uh, he had his restaurant there. El Paseo, what, you could not find, you could not find an open uh, place to rent on El Paseo. And then when Roadrunner Parkway started taking off, and you started seeing Sonoma Ranch Boulevard. <clears throat> like anything else, things tend to kind of gravitate. You know, you saw all these different houses. Then businesses thought, you know what? Let's set up over here and we'll cater to this business, to these residents in this area. And so you see businesses start relocating. And when you do that and you you leave the area, then it's sometimes it's some smaller startups might try to go there because it you know the rent has dropped and you know the it's difficult to start a business most businesses fail the first year you know, or the first three years and so one thing leads to another and then of course you've had um, the pandemic that didn't help so it's just it's just probably a culmination of a lot of things uh, damien but i think for the most part is like anything else you know everybody wants to move up a little bit and if they can move up their their business is there a way out of it that you can see from your seat? Yes. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'd like to see, and and I and I have to tell you, like right right now, I'm in my office here on Solano. And and one of my state of the city speeches, I mentioned about the corridor, El Paseo Corridor, how that was one of my one of my goals to get this done before I don't think I said before I left office, because I hadn't mentioned this, but in my mind, it was one of the things that I wanted to do that and the Amador Proximo, as well as the land across from Mountain View, right? And, and then, then Councillor, now Congressman Vasquez, at the last minute, says, oh, let's put in Solano. And I go, oh, I, no, then I can't, I'm going to have to recuse myself, you know, because I don't, I don't, I don't want that, um, I don't want that to, to cloud the, the work. And, you know, he meant well. He figured, you know, um, but he recognized that it needed it. Yeah, it did. And so I just I kind of took a hands off policy after that. And I still do. I mean, when it comes up, I I just recuse myself and I just right. think it's the right thing to do. And and um, but I know my colleagues will will get it done. But OK, so getting back to what you're asking. So imagine and when I say trolley, I, I guess you could be really so it's just a bus, but something to, that you can jump on and jump off every 15 minutes right. between the university and, and the plaza. It is something that is there is some sort of public transportation that's needed to connect the university to downtown. So that doesn't seem unreasonable by any means. Yeah. And. And we do have it and the bus fare is free, but, but it doesn't go every 15 minutes. You know what I mean? And so you, if you're a student, if I was a student living on campus and I could just jump on a trolley or, you know, a bus that takes me downtown every 15 minutes, I mean, 
you've probably gone to conferences where they, you all go in one big bus and then you're like, okay, well, I'm ready to go. Sure. And they have, they have buses that leave every 30 minutes and okay, you sit in there. That also, that also kind of brings the convention center into the conversation because people might be there and they might want to go downtown and hit up little toad or someplace. Yeah. And that was going to be, that was going to be one of the areas to go really the drop-off point was a convention center to the downtown area. You also addressed the lost decade in New Mexico. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, you know, when, when the recession hit, banks started tightening up lending practices and and it looks like they're even starting to do that now. You know, so now if you didn't have a credit, a plus credit, it was hard to get a loan. You don't, you know, businesses need cash flow. They need cash infusions. They need lines of credit. They need to be able to get capital to turn, you know, money to be able to turn that in to not only make payroll, but to expand or to buy product, to buy, you know, additional things. And when that starts tightening up, they're not going to start doing those. They're not going to be doing those type of investments. And so then we just rely on retirees only to move here instead of people who are moving here because of jobs. And so when you do that, I mean, everything goes to a standstill. You know, people quit building as many houses. Sure. They don't, you know, they're not, they're not investing in the business. A lot of things stopped. And so that's, that's kind of the standstill. And so then we use that as a means or uh, it's almost like a, a timeout, so to speak. And okay, then let's get some of these ordinances on the books so that we can, when it, when it comes back, cause it, it, did we're ready and there, we won't have to kind of stop or pause and you know, I mean you haven't seen us do that since you know now there's ordinances on the books that says okay if you're going to do a development you've got to do this this and this you can't just leave the medians you have to fix those you know you've got to do this to the you know this is what we're going to be looking for from bike lanes to multi-use paths parks you know recreation for the children um, school, you got to work with the school, you know, everything, all those were put into place so that when it came back and it did, I mean, things just took off. What departments would you say are leading the charge when it comes to quality of life in Las Cruces? I mean, apart from the quality of life department. Well, you know, community, community development obviously is huge. Um, our, our, then of course our senior centers, you know, be able to have that in our museums to be able to have these different, these different, uh, amenities. I forgot who it was, but you know, that, that show, the locksmith that was filmed here. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they loved it here. They said, wow, we can, we can just, we can find what we were looking for a small little city. If we needed to, we can, you know, we can find that somewhere here in Las Cruces if we need. And then, but then at the same time, you know, cause some of these people are coming in from other cities, you know, you, you think about it, even though some of it's the university. So you've got, you've got division one sports, you know, our football team, basketball teams, or baseball teams, volleyball teams, everything, both men, women's sports, right. You've got a beautiful performance center there on the campus. You know, you've, we've got, I forgot which magazine it even said this is a small town with big city amenities. And what more could you ask for? 
you know, and then you've got the food, you've got the people, you've got the culture. You you want to be a little bit adventurous. You can go to another country <clears throat> one hour away. You know? What are the most frequent complaints that you get as mayor? Uh, right now, it's it's um, it's basically crime, small crime, not not big crime, but, you know, people with broken windows. Property, yeah, property crimes, probably. Yeah, uh, property, you know, that and, and then. You know, some you know, people that are homeless that are that find themselves uh, not so much now, but find themselves, you know, just they were sleeping in uh, their yard or, you know, somewhere in an apartment. And it's like all of a sudden they were in the doorway. Yeah, that's it, it, a, a difficult thing. I mean, I, I, I had I had this one man here in my office. He was sleeping between the two shrubs. And I said, you know. I don't mind you sleeping here, but can you, do you think you might be able to leave at like at nine? And if you want to come back after six or seven, I don't care. And he did that for like two weeks and I bought him a sleeping bag and I bought him some other stuff. And then he didn't show me after that, you know, um, I just figured I'd get him a duffel bag and some stuff, you know, I'd give him money from time to time, but I didn't, you know, because it's just a tough thing. And then he would put his stuff around the corner, you know, like he had like a mattress. He'd pull it out and, okay, he'd sleep there. And, you know, and he had his, had his like, you know, at night, it was good. And then in the morning, he left and everything was good. I don't know where he went, but, uh, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough issue. You know, and that's the thing, you know, he's, he's, but it was interesting. There was one day I was here, it was a Saturday. And I told him on weekends, I, it didn't matter. We we're not open. So you want sleep sleep in on the weekends go ahead and well one day i saw this this young lady talking with him from across the street and because he was kind of a young guy he was like 25 and i don't know i don't i don't know maybe he just has gone some hard times maybe she convinced him to i, I have no idea all that all i know is after that he within a few days he was gone never came back and that wouldn't be fair without also asking you what the most frequent compliments you get are that the city is very friendly they've never met more friendly people i had this one gentleman moved here from delaware he says ken i just moved here from delaware i lived there for 25 years i've made more friends here in two years than i've had in all the 25 years in delaware i go really he goes yeah this place is amazing and then they you know what's really cool is they they start tasting the chili <laughs> and um i go so what kind what kind do you take and they go well we take the mild it's but it's still pretty hot and i'm thinking the mild man you can't even taste anything we take mild but but you know that's but it's fun it, it's it's pretty cool to hear them talk about how they're you know they're they've never tried green chili and then they start eating it and it's it's pretty good yeah, it, it's, they'll, it's they'll be up to the hot pretty soon give them time in this year's address, you said, while we're grateful that the Bulletin and the Sun News continues to serve us, conditions have clearly changed. And you went on to say that essentially the city needs to improve its transparency and advocacy efforts, as I understood it. Is that correct? Well, not necessarily transparency, because, I mean, that's at an all-time high. I mean, you have people who are... are Clerk's office is constantly hiring people because of all the IPRA requests, the information on the public records. I'm talking about how to make sure that our residents are informed, how to make sure that they know, hey, this is going on, this is going on over here, over there. 
Um, you know, do you, what do you have to say about that? You know, I have to credit my colleagues. You know, we must field several uh, uh, times over emails from residents, you know, wanting information. I'm saying what I'm trying to get at is, you know, no longer, I think, you know, it's, it's a business decision, you know, our local newspapers, they have to balance. We need, you know, revenue to keep the paper uh, working. But at the same time, if we put too much uh, non-paid stuff, it, it doesn't help pay the bills here. And we're going to have to reduce that a little bit. And so we can't really put all the, all the things that are happening, you know, it almost has to be like very, very limited stuff is what I was trying to get at. If I, if I came across wrong, I apologize. What I was trying to say was, you know, we're, we're grateful that, 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 you, that our two newspapers are here, but, you know, in case it's, it shrinks a little bit, the, the number of pages on the newspaper, because, you know, Sunday I can still remember, gosh, Sunday's paper was you, four or five you, sections. You, you know? couldn't lift it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then full of coupons and all that stuff. And, 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 um, you know, now it's, you know, not, it's, it's, it's like it went on a diet, right. And okay, got rid of the fat, you know, and kept what you need to have to, to stay healthy, you know, basically. Yeah, and, and we do still try to try to get the community events and things like that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You guys do the newspaper. Yeah, you do. But, but instead of uh, maybe doing two pages, maybe it's a page and a half, or maybe it's just one page, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, 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 and we're, we're grateful that you guys still do that because you know what I'm saying? They're public service announcements. Uh, one day I was talking with EFO. I said, you know what, maybe we sh- we could buy some ads to put in some of this stuff, you know, because that, that helps us get the word out. It helps you all, you know, get a little bit of revenue and, and it helps the residents, you know, stay informed. You also spoke about the city's homeless problem, which we touched on, and that was a hot button topic about six months ago. Do you want to expound a little more on that besides your personal experience there at sure. your business? Yeah. yeah. So there's a developer in San Diego. Imagine building a three or four story apartment complex, so to speak. But this apartment complex houses, um, there's room in there for like three or four different units for counselors. I think Salt Lake City did something very similar okay. like where where they they said we've got this many homeless people and what are we going to do we're going to house them. Yeah. Well, what what I'm trying to get at is and and forgive me and hopefully your listeners, you know, cuz you know, I'm a I'm a businessman. I mean, I I mix business and politics and I can kind of put them together. So I'm going to use the analogy of, let's say you own five apartments, okay? Five 100-unit apartment complexes. One here in Las Cruces, one here in Hatch, one in Mesilla, one in Sullen Park, and one in um, Anthony, okay? 500 units, but five different cities. You've got to hire different people to maintain them because it's not cost-effective to have one person drive all the way to hatch, 
and then drive all the way back, right? So if you had sure. if you had one 500 unit complex, you wouldn't you could probably cut your your staff in half because they're right there. So, and then if they lived on the premises, now you're talking even more efficiency, right? So what what I would like to see, and I think we hopefully might be moving to in that direction. It all depends on my colleagues, of course. Is there at the community of hope? You know, we're we're expanding. You know, we've bought we bought that other property, and that's where the Casa de Peregrinos is going to go. Right. And so, you know, if we acquire and we have some other land there, we're acquiring. If we start putting like something similar, maybe not five hundred units, but two hundred units, right? And then some of these residents uh, that are homeless that are out occupying places in the city, you know, that sometimes maybe they have friends that come over, you know, maybe start wandering and, you know, looking at things. If they, if they move them into one centralized area, now they can get the help they need. And it's 24 hours instead of maybe when the, when they can go out there. Right. And, and it's more cost effective, I think, and you'll have they'll have better access to their their help for their mental health, things of this nature. Um, it'll start opening up a lot of affordable housing that was being used by them. Yeah. And, and then and then when 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 they're ready, you know, and we're you know, they hopefully they get situated, get the, the help that they need maybe even start looking for a job and kind of incorporate them, put them back into community life. Sure. Uh, we're running kind of short on time, but I should probably ask you um, about LCPD. Police issues have also been in the news and some of the high profile cases have resulted in high dollar settlements from the city while not, addressing any of the individual cases what are your thoughts on that you did tout project light in your speech mm -hmm. you know uh, one of the things that i need to credit some of my colleagues on the council uh first i i'm appreciative that the majority did not support this defund police but they recognize that our, our men and women of the Las Cruces Police Department were not trained to deal with some of the situations that they're put in, right? And so some of the best practices were, hey, let's utilize the fire department because, you know, they, they, they were maybe a different uniform or maybe they, they come from a different angle. And so by incorporating them with Project Light, to, and then also I have to give credit to the chief for recruiting people with backgrounds in, in uh, psychology, sociology, the behavioral sciences, giving them large sign-on bonuses so that our police officers, you know, come with that kind of uh, background. I mean, like me, for example, if you were to put me in, in, in a situation, I, you know, I'm not that versed in it. Right. Now yeah. you put, you put me in a, you put me in a business situation. Okay. I'll, I'll have a little bit more knowledge. Yeah. There. I can, I can feel my way out, but, uh, don't drop me in the middle of a mental health crisis. Yeah. So on March 6th, Project Light came to being. You know, we're funding that. And, the, and for your listeners, basically what that means now. So a person who's having a mental health episode, instead of necessarily the police going, 911 knows how to redirect those calls so that Project Light, maybe someone with that background who's not a police officer, is there to, to help. 
No, the police will be standby. And but you know, these are changes. These are these are significant changes in dealing with the public that we hope will work. Confident that it'll work. It, it seems to be working in other cities. If it can work in other cities, it's got to work in America's number one city, right? I mean, we have, we'll get it. And so, so those are some of the things, I guess. So, in in essence, we are reforming the police department by doing this. You know, some people are calling for, you know, like a citizens review board. You know, Damien, I, I don't know, but I look at it like this. I even asked them. I said, "So, are you t- are you saying that I should basically tell my?" My colleagues who are extremely educated, highly motivated that, you know what, I don't think you guys can can deal and make decisions with all this information. I think I'm going to just go to the to other members of the public and and replace you guys. That's basically what I, in my opinion, what a citizens review board is doing. You're taking because, you know, Counselor Bencomo, Dandara, Abeta, Koran, Flores, they were pub- they're, they're, they were basically public uh, uh, citizens or private citizens. You know, before they got elected office, they sure. weren't. They weren't. You know, they don't come from a, from a long line of public servants. I mean, you know, I mean, in office servants, right? They were they were everyday people. They just got elected, and so you know, one may make the argument that I've been too long, you know, uh, finishing my 30 years. Okay. Maybe I've, I've drank too much of the Kool-Aid, you know, of a, of a public official, it, but, been in, but been in the pool uh, long yeah, enough to get yeah, uh, prune yeah. hands. Yeah. But I mean, they still, not only did they, did they come from the private sector, they're educated. They know how to read things. And, and, and they also come from that background too. So, you know, they, but see what, what, what situation is, is we get to see the real, everything that you aren't able to see yet, because we're trying to decipher this. Are we going to, are we going to, how does this play into a financial matter type thing? You know, and then when it, when it all gets ironed out, then the public can say, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that they had that. I didn't realize that they'd, they'd said that. I didn't know that that they had were doing this. You know what I mean? There's, there's only so much that that can be reported and rightfully so. Is there anything you'd like to add mayor that we haven't talked about already? I can't thank the people enough who've elected me um, 11. I've been in 14 elections. I've lost three and I won 11. I can't thank them enough for their support over these years. You've allowed me to have an incredible experience that is priceless. I've learned so much. It's incredible, you know, and I I feel like I still need to give it back, Damien, because I feel like, you know, I've seen things that worked and that don't work. And, and perhaps can I, can it get, can it be improved? You know what I mean? But it's just, sure. There's just, there's time constraints. I mean, as it is, I get up at four in the morning and I start doing it my day, you know, and I'm by time by 10 or 11 o'clock, I'm out, you know, and, uh, and I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I, that, that's what I want to say. I, I can't thank them enough uh, for their trust. They placed in me election after election. Well, um, Thank you again, Mayor, for your time today. Um, I I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you and 
you and your colleagues that that um, you know I was telling uh, Justin the other day I said man you're like an army of one you're all over you go over here you go over there you got to take pictures <laughs> yeah he, you know he is yeah he is I an mean, army that, of one yeah that's a lot of work I mean I thought I worked a lot but you guys <laughs> do a lot you know and and and, and you you have. Justin, I don't think Justin wakes up at 4 a.m. But well, uh, yeah, but but you guys have an important uh, service to the public. You keep you 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 have to keep um, them informed, and you keep elected officials on their toes because once they think or see that no one's really watching them, you know, it's kind of like the cookie jar. It's like, uh, oh, it looks like there's nobody. You know, I'll never forget one time. Uh, well, it's really not a big thing to say, but I was. it was a long, long time ago, right? I wasn't in the city yet. I was still, I think I was a county commissioner. Going to this this uh, gym, like 4.30 in the morning, right? And I'm at this light, and it wasn't turning green. It was red. There's just no cars, right, on, on Valley. You, you blew <laughs> through it. Didn't well, I didn't blow through it. I stopped. I was I was sitting there. I was waiting for it to turn green. And then you blew through it. Well, I decided I didn't blow through it. I decided <laughs> to go through it. And then all of a sudden, there's a a, a sheriff's deputy turns the lights on. And I go, oh, come on, man! I was like here for like ten minutes. The lights were broken. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. Then then it eventually turned green. And then he goes, ah, he goes, yeah, I know, I saw it, I was watching you, but he didn't give me a ticket. But he, he says, he just kind of shook his head and he says, yeah, I probably, he goes, I probably would have done the same thing. But that's the same thing. <laughs> there was no one there. There was no cars out there. There was no one there. The gym was open, right? And that's and 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 that's the thing. That's what you and the, your colleagues do. You guys are there. We know you're there. I mean, I wouldn't have done that if I'd seen a sheriff's. Or even if it's just parked, right? <laughs> and, and so so you guys are there to just make sure that everything's done the right. That you're not blowing through red lights. Well, thanks again, Mayor. I, I really appreciate your time. No, you're welcome. Thanks, Damien. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Reporter's Notebook. We also have a newsletter sharing reporter stories about, well, about how we report stories. You can find all of our reporting in the Las Cruces Sun News. A special thanks goes out to Mayor Ken Miyagashima for joining us this week. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many of the places you find your favorite podcasts. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. You can also find all our local reporting brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces at www.lcsun-news.com. For all of us at The Sun News, thank you for the privilege of your time. <laughs>